1: You're listening to a Brawl Network production, and
0: this is Meanie's Bird Recap.
2: Can you feel that thing that's moving out your doggone
3: hands? That thing that's beating your doggone chest right now. Can you feel it?
0: Win or lose, these guys will be here for you after every single game.
3: Do you think
0: you're better than me? Here are your hosts, Giovanni Hamilton, Connor Miles, and ECW Original, the Blue Me. Ah, the Minis Birds recap. You always gotta love that video. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Welcome to Minis Birds recap on Eagles Brawl. Even though this is the Blue Minis show, and I just completely (laughs) stole his introduction real quick. Nah, man,
3: it's all good. (laughs) It's cool. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me again another week here
0: uh, on the Brawl Network.
3: Um, You know, I wish it was under better circumstances, but uh,
0: here we are. I wish it was, too, my friend. I completely wish it was, too. And then we got our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Cross, in the house. As always, Ed, greatly appreciate you coming on tonight. Thanks for being here. And the Philly sports of Giovanni, the host, Giovanni Hamilton, who I just saw you post a video on Twitter. Do you mind telling the viewers what that video is about in case they missed it?
2: I just had, drum roll, please. Zach, so let's go. On my podcast. That's Zach. It hurts, yeah, wow. So, cool. so,
0: yeah. so, if I get this correct, tomorrow on Philly Sports with Giovanni at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, you talk to a future Hall of Fame tight end, yeah. I think
2: so,
0: yeah. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. I, I, I'm jealous, I'm jealous, but <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. So, guys, uh, after all that exciting news, and we're all excited to hear that for episode at 8 a.m. tomorrow, live on Philly Sports with Giovanni. We have to talk about this loss to the New York Giants, unfortunately. So we have to bring in the bad news now. We have to dive into this game. What did Not you guys think? Uh, yeah, that was the fun part. That was the best part of the episode. So that was the good news. Here's the bad news. Yeah. We're actually going to talk about the game now. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear everybody in this uh, little chat's thoughts about the game. Start off with Blue Meanies. It is your recap show, man. Start off with your opinion <laughs> of the game.
3: Well, here's what I'm afraid of. Uh, we, we, I think we can record this episode and air it next week, and then the week after that, and the week after that. I think it's going to be a little bit of a Groundhog's Day uh, week in and week out. Uh, it's just To me, it was just another matter of I don't know what's going on with the defense. I mean, forget the offensive play calling as well, but the defense itself. I mean, our, our cornerbacks look like little kids playing with their big brothers out there. You know, uh, these guys. You know, the you know the the offense is getting these easy passes down low, and you know that their their coach. You know the the opposition's wide receivers are making spectacular catches, like catch it a week type plays. And our you know our our quarterback cornerbacks are just spectators watching, and it's just frustrating because you know uh, they busted out that big touchdown for you know Boston Scott, and then the Giants just throw two huge passes, and then they take the, the you know the seven points right back. So it's just a matter of bad play calling on the offense because, you know, we don't have a proper offensive coordinator, and uh, there's nobody to be the yin to the yang for, you know, Doug. You know, Dougie Pease, you know, a little bit pass-happy, you know, being the quarterback, you know, you got to run the ball a little bit more, you know? And then you got Schwartz on the other side playing – bend but don't break but you know our cornerbacks are pretty flexible <laughs> so mm-hmm. they'll never break but they'll, they they keep bending so uh that's my take you know just horrible you know coaching on the the, the defense and bad play calling on the offense
0: Fire well, everybody i completely agree I'm just <laughs>
3: <laughs> hopefully i didn't steal everybody's points but you know it's just it was just I've had better better feeling root canals than watching that game. It was just it was watching it like this, you know, with my hand on my face just going like, "Come on." You know, there's that spark with Boston Scott and then nothing,
0: you know. Yeah. yeah. Ed, what was your take on it, man? I'm interested um, to hear. You were uh, were you there at the game? I forgot. Yeah, uh,
1: I was. I was there. Um oh, I'm sorry. To it, hear it. it was sorry. so <laughs> Well, it's not that far uh, from where I live, so it wasn't that bad. But coming home, I drove through some super storm that uh, was was pretty treacherous. But um, it was just an eerie feeling in a a stadium like MetLife Stadium that seats 82,500 fans, and it was completely empty. You know, it was a weird feeling for the media. And I know we've been through these empty stadiums before, but um, I just can't imagine how the players are dealing with that. You know, I mean, just – bringing that energy level. I mean, it's tough when you don't have anybody in the stands and you're playing in an empty stadium. I know every team's dealing with it, and Philadelphia's going to deal with it again after the city ruled today that uh, fans can't come to the final three home games the Eagles have. So um, it's just going to continue to look really strange. But, you know, Blumini, you mentioned the defense, and it was kind of surprising that the secondary played that way Uh, I mean, they were the fourth-ranked pass defense in the NFL coming into that game. They'd only been given up 209 yards passing, and, you know, they go up against Daniel Jones, and they give up, you know, two, you know, I don't know what it was, 250, close to 250. And um, the two pass plays you mentioned after that that electric run from Boston Scott, I mean, that was the turning point to me when the Giants got the ball back, and bam, 27 yards to Sterling Shepard, boom, 39 yards to Golden Tate. And next thing you know, it's first goal at the 10, uh, right after the Eagles go pull within 14-11. I mean, not only Scott's run, but Miles Sanders had a two point conversion run. So that to me was the turning point and very, very surprising um, that the secondary kind of gave up that yardage. But I think the Eagles just ran into a very determined New York Giants team. Uh, the Giants felt like they should have won that first game, uh, had control of that game on October 22nd for three and a half quarters and let it get away. And uh, the, the Giants' coach Joe Judge even said afterward, "Was this was a game we wanted to make sure we reverse the outcome of?" And I just think they were a more determined, better prepared team, and that's why they won. Ed, do you do you get the sense that Doug Pearson's unraveling a little bit? Uh,
0: why do you say that? The reaction from him today, at the press conference, and then the uh, I don't conference. know if you if I don't know if you heard the sound bit with ninety four point one with Angelo this morning when Angelo starts it off hey, no. with the talking about everybody's blaming coach, He'd 72% on that poll, and Doug threatens to hang up on him right away. <laughs> like, I mean. Well,
1: you know, it was a very angry Doug in the morning, and then four hours later when he talked to us, he was, you know, he was still disappointed. But, you know, it, he's had some very bizarre press conferences this season, um, every year. But this year it seems like they have a tendency to veer into the, the twilight zone um occasionally and you know that was sort of the case today uh you know when he was asked about Jalen Hurts you know he kind of got sarcastic and you know one of the reporters asked you know do you think you should take Carson Wentz off the field like the Saints do with Taysom Hill when they bring him and they bring Breeze out gives Hill another potential weapon on the field because nobody everybody knows nobody's Gonna throw the ball to Wentz. No. I mean, let's face it. So uh, it's just kind of you're playing with ten guys at that point, and everybody knows what Hurts is gonna do. So and he got a little snarky, um, but it was it was just really strange to see some of his behavior. It was kind of to me, it was up and down, just like his football team, up and down, uh, all over the place, and that's the way the Eagles are playing. <sighs>
0: I don't want to ask, but I have to hear it, Giovanni. Well, what what was your take? Because we haven't really talked about the game that much. We we played Call of Duty Cold War last night, but we refused to talk about the game. We was like, no, no negativity. We're playing video games. So now I get to finally ask you and I get to hear your opinion. What do you think, bud?
2: Uh, first of all, you know it's bad when my room's not green, but um <laughs> I love how you I love how you uh said it. The cornerbacks are spectators. They might as well just be in the seats watching the game. They did not show up yesterday at all. And, um I think they should have played better. Um I, I'm really disappointed in Doug's play calling. We really need an offensive coordinator. I'm just very confused on where Doug's getting these plays and why he's calling them.
0: That's a really, brutally honest take, and I agree. I agree with every point you made. My huge thing is Jim Schwartz refuses to play press, and he finally has a press corner who has – Great ability in press. And then you look at Razul Douglas, who goes to, I I hate bringing this up, but he goes to the Panthers and he plays well in press. Guy refuses to press. These corners give him too much space. Every quarterback takes advantage of it routinely. The linebackers are good, not great. I mean, not even, I I don't even want to say good. They're average. Uh, Gets taken advantage of weekly with these end-arounds and all this stuff and these, these options by Daniel Jones and, it's it's sad on the defensive side, but on the offensive side, I'm completely baffled. I thought you fired Mike Gro to make some changes. Why did you get worse? It, that's the thing here is you have to finally look at it and say the Eagles have tried to fix this offensive coaching staff the last couple of years, anyways. Even with the departures of Frank Reich and John D. Filipino, they tried to get guys. They tried to promote Gro, who did well as a wide receiver coach with his team, and think that he could be the answer offensive coordinator. They, they've given Press Taylor all these chances to grow through the organization, become a play caller with his team. They brought Morning wig back with the, due to familiarity. They bring in Rich Scangarello, who was tossed aside by Denver. I, where is the identity in this offensive play calling? We all know Doug is the play caller, but uh, when these things fail, we keep having all these scapegoats. It looks like the issue is finally time to admit it. It's Doug Peterson. I, he's a he, huge issue for this, but uh, I'm also on the side that says you can't blame Carson Wentz. Uh, I think when things start to go bad for Carson Wentz, I could think off the top of my head. The 2018 season against New Orleans, when he starts to fall apart, and then the week after against Dallas, they finally decided to put him on the shelf finally uh, due to his back injury. His play was starting to fall apart then. He's known... I mean, kind of just a struggle at times as a starting quarterback in this league. I firmly believe he's the franchise quarterback. I firmly believe in the talent he is, but to completely play that way is—I'm is, is I'm baffled by it. I—I'm completely baffled by it. I think when you're looking at who to blame, it's okay to say it's a collective effort and to say it's Doug Pierce's fault, it's Carson Wentz's fault, it's Howard Rosen's fault, it's Jim Schwartz's fault because they all have a hand in it one way or another.
3: Well, with the last uh you know season and a half, you you know we always had the uh, the crutch of. Well, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of guys out, stuff like that. But now, you know, we had Malik Jackson come back. We have Alshon back. We have a lot of great players back. And yet, somehow, the play hasn't really improved. And uh, it's, it's just... I, first of all, I knew this game was going to be jinxed when they talked about how many games the, Gi- the Eagles had over the Giants leading up to this. I was like, oh, well, they just jinxed the game. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, it, it comes down to play calling. And it just seems... Things have been weird over the last couple of years. Like we got, you know, uh, when we got Tate after the England game, you know, two years ago, and then you have the uh, offensive coordinators like, oh, well, we we don't know how to fit him into our scheme. It's like, you're the offensive coordinator. You figure it out. And like in professional wrestling, they always say, uh, we, well, we had to fire the wrestler because we had no, nothing, creative had nothing for him. Well, fire the creative. You have the talent there, get better creative. Same with you know football, you got got to work with you know the coaching has to you know coach these players up better, get them angrier, get them a little uh, more focused. I don't know if uh, Doug's more of a coach or is he more of a friend. You know when it, you know when it comes to you know his relationship with the players and stuff like that, he needs somebody to. I in my opinion, I think he needs to get somebody to get Owen Il- 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 Carson a little bit better. You know as far as you know. Mechanics, his footwork and stuff like that because even it's you know small stuff like his footwork he's got a wide stance where you know before he used to stand tall in the pocket and you know why is all why are all of his passes getting down, batted down at the line of scrimmage you know it's just it's just there's something there with the mechanics something with the coaching we need to get somebody in there who's the bad cop
1: yeah uh, and i agree with connor though i don't think you know you got to put some of the blame that on Carson Wentz. I mean, he's been in this offense for five years. Um, You know, he's the one at the line of scrimmage who sees what's happening with the defense, and he's given the reign to change a play. And, you know, how often is he audible out of plays? I mean, these are questions that he'll probably get asked on Wednesday uh, when we talk to him. But, you know, this is his offense. He should know this offense. No matter who's calling the plays, he understands the concepts. And um, if he's changing plays and audibling into something different, then, then that's on him. Um, and, and as far as Doug and his play calling, I mean, when the Eagles decided to go with this collaborative approach in the off season with, you know, the non-traditional, no offensive coordinator, they brought in all these different voices. And, you know, I think he's maybe listening to too many of those voices. He kind of admitted when we asked him about why he went for two points when they pulled within four rather than go for one, uh, to, you know, potentially have the opportunity to kick a game tying field goal late, um. And they went for two again, and and they missed it. And he was asked about it, and he said, well, I trusted the guys upstairs. So, you know, I think he's got a lot of voices in his head, um, a lot of clutter, uh, as much as they won't admit that. Uh, I think it's the old cliche, you know, too many cooks are spoiling the broth, and I think we're seeing that with Doug. I mean, I just think he's probably – getting pulled in so many directions and he can't focus and he can't zero in on what his game plan, what he wants the game plan to look like. He's deferring to others. And maybe like you said, Blue Meanie, maybe he is, you know, just, he is a nice guy. Maybe he just doesn't want to hurt anybody's uh, feelings and make them feel like they are part of the team. And, and it's a, to a detriment to the game planning.
0: At some point, Jeff Leary has to step in. He's always involved. He's hands-on with his team as much as every other owner in this. I mean, he – Jerry Jones is, gets credited for being how hands-on he is with his team. I think Jeffrey Lurie's along the same lines. When something starts not going the right way, Lurie intervenes. And like I just mentioned, the growth thing, the Chip Kelly thing. Like, if something's not going to go right, we know Jeffrey Lurie's going to intervene. My question is, does he? who does he go after? Does he tell Doug, listen, like, Barney Mortimer is going to have to call the plays. Do Sterling's going to have to call the plays. Somebody's going to have to call the plays, but not you. We need to help you with this. Uh, does that happen this season, or does I mean I? Because I don't know, Ed. I, I'm surprised. Yeah. Like I and, wasn't expecting this, so I don't know where they go from here with this.
1: I mean, this was Lori's idea to to have this type of approach with no offensive coordinator, quote unquote. I mean, it, it was his idea to have this collaborative approach. So uh, to give up on it, I mean, I could see him giving up on it. He can't Chip Kelly with a game left in the season a few years ago. Um, I could see him switching gears in midstream. But th- this is all. You know, when you when you start to point fingers, I mean, you got to start there. I think with Lurie stepping in and making him fire Mike Grow, I mean, you know, we all thought that was the right move at the time, I guess. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, Grow was, I think, good for Carson. He wasn't buddy buddy. I think like Press Taylor seems to be. Um, and that's a detriment to Carson. So I I just think you have to start at the top with Lurie, and I'm not sure it's a good idea. I'd never liked the meddlesome owner. We've seen that, you know, with uh, Daniel Snyder in Washington and, like you mentioned, Jerry Jones. But, you know, I think, Lori is the one that wanted this approach this was his idea he wanted mike bro fired carson Walsh fired and i think aaron moorhead's a good receivers coach um that was a good move but th- this uh, too many cooks thing i mean too many voices in doug's head i don't think is a good idea i just think they got to their plan
0: c though because they was originally they looked like they wanted to hire graham harrell out of usc to be their offensive coordinator and when he decided not to join them because he wanted some type of play calling duties I think they were just kind of like, well, you know, not much else we want to do. Because, I mean, we talked about it multiple times on the show. Jim Caldwell doesn't end up being here. Uh, who's the other offensive coordinator I can think of that they were talking about? Uh, anyway, they, they just don't have an offensive coordinator that uh, it, it looks like they kind of pivoted to this this plan after Graham Harrell potentially didn't work out. It's not like it's the first time they pivoted plans either. I mean, Doug Peterson was a plan A but this time it's not working out, so uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know what you're gonna do. I I, I, mean, I think you have to keep Doug Peterson around. I don't think you fired Doug Peterson, but uh, with the results the way they're going, I think there's gonna be a lot of guys that won't be with this team next year uh, on that coaching staff. I, I think Jim Schwartz and uh, it's gonna be a part of that too. I, I
3: think uh, I mean, before they even hired uh, you know, Doug Peterson, they hired Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator. And I wonder if he'll be the first sacrificial lamb to, you know, say, hey, we we, we need a change here. You know, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz, you know, is a, a respected defensive coordinator, but for whatever reason, his his players aren't reacting to him or listening to him. Maybe they've you know maybe they, they hear him like they, you know, Charlie Brown heard his parents, He's like wah, 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 wah. Maybe, maybe they just tuned him out. And maybe they need to, you know, shake something up with on the, at least defensively to get these players to go, Oh, okay. Maybe the next shoe will be me. Maybe I need to step up my play or something like that. But maybe he needs to be the, you know, he was the first hire, you know, before Peterson, maybe he'll be the first coach to get the ax before, you know, they, you know, the team finally wakes up and says, Hey man, you know, we got, we got to step up our play, you know, maybe, maybe there's, there's a comfort zone where, you know, then, you know, the players will, you know, make mistakes and do things and they'll go, well, we're good. We know the coach won't throw us under the you know, under the bus in the press conference and, you know, issues like that where you got to do something with the coaching to, to make these guys realize how imperative it is. It's one thing to say you're angry and oh, we're going to get better, and then there's actually devising a plan to, you know, be better, you know.
0: Yeah, I go into the off season and I say, hey, Doug, when – when you were your most successful, it's because we put veteran, good offensive coaching around you to help build you up. Uh, we thought you were at the point where you can do it on your own. You're not. We have to face the facts. We, don't, we still want you as our head coach. These guys want to play for you. You're still a great leader of men. At times, you do have some good offensive play calling, but right now, you're showing us why you're struggling, and we need to put some stronger guys around you, some stronger voices around you to help build you up like we did when we first hired you. Giovanni, my question to you is, if you're in you're you're in Jeffy Lurie's shoes, what are the first couple changes you make with this team?
2: Um, it's definitely fire Jim Schwartz, get new defensive coordinator. I don't think you fire Doug. I just think you add an offensive coordinator and a better quarterback coach who's not so buddy buddy with Carson.
0: To agree, and this is a good point that uh Mike brings up on the screen right here. It, Doug does need help, it's plain and simple, but he does always say he, he wants to be play caller. I I agree with him, and Ed, you said it multiple times yourself being in these press conferences, you never feel like Doug Pearson will ever accept the opportunity to give up play calling.
1: No, I don't. Um, you know, he's been consistent from day one that that's his favorite part of this job. And you know, we saw, you know, in Chicago, Matt Nagy had the Plug pulled on his play calling, and they're turning it over to Bill laser who was in Philadelphia as quarterbacks coach with Chip Kelly. But um, that, to me, is kind of like the beginning of the end, in my opinion, of Matt Nagy in Chicago. Uh, mm. Once you take that duty away, especially on a full time basis, that's kind of the beginning of the end. So, if you mandate Doug to do that, I think that he's he'll be on his way out the door um, shortly after. I mean, if it happens this season, if they let Deuce call the plays or Stoutland or. Uh, You know, morning like whoever, then I think that's just kind of the beginning of the end and Doug won't be back. So I don't see any uh, change in that regard unless the Eagles feel like they are going to move on from Doug. And I I have to be honest, I I think that there is a chance they do uh, move on from him at the end of this season. Um, I mean, we still have seven games left, and we'll see what kind of fight the Eagles have. We'll see uh, how strong that locker room stays together over these next seven games. They're not easy games. Uh, you know, I think the record of these next five teams is like thirty and I don't know ten. I had it in a story today, but I mean it. These next five teams have won a lot it's, of games. It's,
0: yeah, it's thirty-two great. and thirteen, actually, to be exact. I do I do recall seeing that. Uh, yeah, so I need to, I, I need to highlight what you just said, and we need to repeat it so everybody <laughs> hears it. You think there is a chance Doug Peterson loses his head coaching job this uh, this off season? I
1: I, I would not uh, say that that is not. Uh, that's an impossibility. No, I think there is that chance that he could. I don't know what percentage of a chance I'd put at that at this point, but uh, not a very big percentage. But I think, you know, you can't discount that possibility um, because they're not going to move on from Carson. I mean, Carson's locked in with his contract. And um, unless he gets it turned around, I mean, I could see them trying to maybe find somebody that can come in and, and, and get the best out of Carson because Doug clearly hasn't been able to do that. Uh, these last couple of seasons and um, you know, as much as I kind of hate to see it, cause I, I do like Doug, um, you know, it's the reality of the situation. It's a business and um, I wouldn't discount that possibility happening.
0: I wouldn't either. Jeff Miller is an aggressive owner. Yeah. He's an
1: aggressive owner. And I agree with you. I,
0: as much as the fan base and, the sports media and every everybody else in the road wants to make it seem. I don't believe that Jeffrey Leary would want to move on from Carson Wentz. I truly don't. And the contract states it. They they would not be as comfortable as they were to give him that contract, knowing the details of it every year. Uh, if they had any doubts of moving on from him, and I don't I don't think that's going to change. I, I I think that this team would rather choose Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson also, which is crazy. I think that's a, that's crazy for people to hear because I mean. This team, again, won the Super Bowl without Carson Once It was Doug Peterson that was there that got down Lombardi for them. So it's hard for people to hear. And a lot of the comments, uh, I don't want to put all of them up right now because there's a lot of them, but they're all saying uh, they don't believe that's going to happen. But, I mean, I I don't think you can discount it either. I think that's a brutally honest analyst. And I think, Ed, being around the team, covering them as long as you have. Uh, Being a fan of this team. Jeffrey Lurie is that aggressive, and he would have made that pull if he felt the need to do so. He, he yep. would rather do it before it's too late, like the same thing he did with Chip Kelly. He, he pulled the plug before it was too late. I Here, agree with you on that.
1: Here's the thing, though, too. It's tough. It could be difficult to evaluate uh, this team because of the offseason that they had very different. But, you right. know, there were 31 other teams in that same boat. Um, so I don't know how you can really make the case uh, to do that. But I could see them leaning on that and saying, you know, listen, this was an offseason like no other. We couldn't be together. We brought in all these new coaches, and we really couldn't collaborate as well as we'd like on Zoom. You've heard the players talk about they can only spend like 15 minutes at a time in the locker room together, so the bonding is an issue. But, again, it's something that every team is dealing with. So um, I don't know how much you can put stock into that, but, you know, other teams have dealt with it. But the Eagles, maybe they just haven't done a good job of that. Maybe that saves Doug. I don't don't know. Yeah, that would – yeah, go ahead, me. sorry.
0: No, no, please, please, please. I would. I'm just gonna say it real quick. I would prefer that they keep Doug and try it with an offensive coordinator and say, "Let's go back to our original approach when we hired you," because I think this team responds to him well as a head coach. But uh, it's Jeffrey Lurie. You cannot discount his graph, his how he likes to change things up and make things better. Uh, So we'll see.
3: That's the thing about 2020. it's like the ultimate mulligan. You know, it's just. hey it's 2020 we had no uh otas we had limited practice and i didn't even know you you could you could only be in the locker room 15 minutes at a time stuff stuff like that but but, uh that said it's just uh i always equate things to wrestling because that's my background but i see a lot of parallels in both worlds because i have friends who've done pro wrestling i know guys who've gone to pro wrestling from the nfl and we talk and uh the sign you know, Doug Peterson is the leader of this team. And a lot of times, you know, in ECW, one of the best creative minds in, EC, in wrestling was Paul Heyman during the ECW run. That said, you know, the greatest, you know, one of Paul's greatest traits was if he couldn't think of anything better, he would listen to the locker room and he would listen to his performers. And if you came up with an idea that was just as good or better as something that he could come up with, he would go with it. And I think a lot of, the, you know, somebody needs to, you know, talk to Doug and say, or even even it needs to come down to Doug to say, Hey, you know, maybe some of my ideas aren't working. Hey, how about four game deuce? You call the plays and take a little bit of pressure off of him. And he could worry about just work worrying about the players themselves and, you know stuff like that. You know this is—it's just, it's just a matter of Doug needs to maybe look in the mirror and say, "Hey, maybe I should divvy up some duty." You know, I'll call quarter one, quarter three, quarter whatever. Deuce, you call quarter two, just to throw—you know—throw the other team off because maybe you know these teams are watching film tape and they—they, they, you know, Doug's play calls becoming pretty predictable in, in some sorts. You know. So maybe they need to do something to switch it up. But even if they do you know do the, 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 the switch with Doug Peterson, then there's the, also the thing of Howie Roseman and getting players in here to actually make the team a little bit better. You know, there's you know, when you're using your second round pick on a backup quarterback and not maybe a, an offensive lineman, that's a problem as well. I mean, like I've said, in, in yeah, ultimately, you know, Carson's the quarterback, and he's got to know this play. All, he's got to know the scheme a little bit better. He's he's got to perform better. But they haven't really done him any favors with the people they've put around because this team's getting a little bit older, a little bit longer in the tooth. Who are you putting around him to make him feel like he's not going to get murdered? Because he's how many times has he been been sacked this year? You know, the, the offensive line has has not done him any favors. He's been he. He spent more time on his back than I did in a wrestling ring. You know, just you know, <laughs> you know? I could tell you the, light, the the light bulbs in every major arena in the United States. I am sure Carson Wentz could tell you that what the lights the light bulb count is in in each stadium because he keeps getting sacked. You know, <laughs> Harry Roseman's got to do something to get some some protection in here so he can maybe make better decisions and not worry about who's going to kill him, who who's coming for him. You know, maybe he's hearing footsteps.
2: There is a good side, of course, once in this uh, game, though. It it might not seem like it, but this is his first um, game without a turnover.
0: Yes. I'll I'll drink. (laughs) I was was going to ask you, Giovanni, uh, this question on the screen. It looked like you were reading it. We all have seen Wentz with amazing ability to make plays. Is it more Wentz regressing or Doug holding him back? You looked like you were th- thinking about your answer for that, uh, that yeah. question. What, what was it?
2: it it's definitely I, – I don't think that Carson Wentz is regressing. I think he can be the same Carson Wentz even better. If Carson does – or if Doug does let him go more, um, I think Doug is really holding him back. I think he's holding him on a short leash and he needs to let him go.
3: I agree. Or as totally I agree, agree. that the Bronco Buck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never think, thought we'd get
0: there.
1: I thought I think I think Wentz has, you know, he always has had some mechanical issues that he's had to work through back from the start of his career and you know, those teachers aren't aren't in the room or they're not helping him with his mechanics. I I don't know. I I mean, I think Doug is kind of letting him go. I mean, he's given him the license to throw deep every, you know, few plays and uh, I'm not sure that's always the answer to go deep. And yesterday was really windy and, and the deep balls, the giants don't want you to get past them, but he did try one or two, I think once the high tower, uh, on a third down throw, it was, you know, it wasn't a, a good pass. Um, but you know, I, I, I think Doug's kind of given him a free reign and I think he's given him the opportunity to change plays. I mean, but for some reason it's, you know, I mean, Carson's completion percentage is not very good. Um, for a starting quarterback. And you look at yesterday, I mean, he completed 21 passes, but he had 16 incomplete passes. I mean, that's barely over 50%. Um, You have to be better as a quarterback with your completion percentage. You have to stay on the field. And then to go 0 for 9 on third down, I mean, you know, I know the play calling was suspect, but I think the execution was bad too. I mean, it's great he didn't have a turnover – Giovanni, I agree with you. First time this year he hasn't, but he's still stuck at twelve touchdown passes and twelve interceptions. Didn't have a touchdown pass yesterday. Um, you you have to be better if you're Carson Wentz, especially on third down. I mean, zero for nine is is a is a, is a anchor that they're going to wear around their neck for years. I mean, it, it had been since I think two thousand four since they failed to pick up a first down on third down. I mean, that's that's dreadful. I mean, you you. Can't win football games if you can't stay on the field on third down.
0: No, that's why I think it's fair to blame. Like I think you just detailed it perfectly how you can blame each and every asset of this team. It's Carson has to be better. That's the thing. I we know that's how they get the talent that the guy is. We know he's a franchise caliber quarterback. We know that the Eagles go as far as Carson Wentz takes them. But I think the issue with this team is he's struggling this year, and this team is so reliant on Carson Wentz. To play good, you're, you're seeing it now. How much they rely on Carson Wentz to play at the level that he's shown them they can play at, and when he can't play well at that level, you don't have anybody on this coaching staff that can get the, get him out of his struggles. Like, and that's a problem. That's a problem, and that's why I say it's all their faults. It's not just Carson Wentz, and it's not just Doug Peterson. We don't have to just pick one person. We don't have to choose a side. Like it seems like there's always these debates on through uh radio sports, uh, sports talk radio and online on, uh, whenever we discuss the Eagles. But if you're going to be three, five and one, it's not one person taking you to that. It, it's multiple facets of this team. And we just discussed it the, the, from the start of the episode. The defense is playing awful. Carson Wentz is not consistent enough this season, more or less playing worse. Majority of the team, uh, majority of the games this year. And Doug Peterson, I mean, just continues to dwindle. It's, it's crazy. Never really thought that they would get to this point, especially after you watch them win the Super Bowl. It's just, I can't believe we're here at this point right now, but let me just bring up real quick that uh, Meanies Birds recap is powered by Eagles Brawl, which is powered by DraftKings. Kings now. You can go to DKNG dkng.co slash brawlpod. That's B-R-A-W-L, pod, and you can sign up real quick. You can do a minimum deposit of $5 and get your chance to win millions, that is millions, on a free entry Thanks to us, courtesy of the Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. That's DraftKings. Go over there, win some millions. Let us know we get you some money. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, guys, I I, I can't believe it. I,
3: I, and then this, I think yesterday you is not the new norm we signed up for.
0: It is not uh, the new norm. But I, you see, Carson yesterday he plays conservative. He doesn't want to play the hero ball, which is what we're all talking about now. And they looked that bad. I, I you look like he he tried to tone it down. That was him purposely trying to turn it down, not play like how he's been playing the last couple of weeks and rough, rough. I don't, I don't really know what this team goes for from here.
1: Well, you know, I think my greatest frustration coming out of Sunday's game wasn't Carson Wentz. Um, I think it was just, and we talked about this, Connor, I think on a show last week is how different will this team look coming out of the bye? I mean, I think the expectation was, was, you know, they played one game in 24 days. Uh, starting back with that first Giants game, and then they had the bye. So you would think that over that time they would come up with something different, uh, a different approach, different plays. Um, but we didn't see any of that. I mean, Jalen Hurts came in the game and they ran him twice. I mean, they just stack in the box against Jalen Hurts. And Doug said defenses have adjusted. Well, where have your adjustments been? I mean, why why not be proactive yeah. and you be the one to adjust before the defense does? There were no jet sweeps to Jalen Rager. I mean, no misdirection plays whatsoever. Uh, no screen passes. I, I mean, this team has, I think, 38 screen pass yards all season, well below the, the team ahead of them. I, I mean, this used to be a great screen pass team, but we're not even seeing that. I mean, we're, we just saw the same old – Play designs the same old plays that we saw in the first eight games, and that to me was my greatest frustration. I and I said it. I think they're going to be the same, and they were. And that's that's what I kind of you know frustrates me is I expected something different from a game plan approach, especially playing the Giants a second time uh, in three weeks. And some of the Giants players alluded to, it, or some of the Eagles players alluded to it, that the Giants did some things differently that they didn't see the first time. But to me, I don't think the Eagles showed anything different at all. It was the same approach uh, and shame on them because they had 24 days with one game to figure out a different way to do things.
3: So apparently, really like so apparently vanilla isn't only uh, Doug Pierce's favorite uh, ice cream, <laughs> flavor; his favorite play calling design. Very vanilla. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. But, that's, that's a good yeah, question, well, I, from Dakota. There about feeling bad for Kelsey. Um, listen, I couldn't believe how bad he played. I could well, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know what? There could be a reason for that. I mean, his two guards were Suo Peta and Matt Pryor. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, those guys are might be decent. You know, reserve guys, deep reserve guys, but they are not starting caliber. Uh, guards in this NFL. I mean, maybe Matt Pryor will eventually become a tackle, but you know, I think Kelsey had a, his plate very full with, you know, probably answering questions from Apita and Pryor before each play. Like, what are we? You know, what am I doing? How am I supposed to block? And then Kelsey has to. Deal with that, and then he has to go out and do his job against Davin Tomlinson, who weighs 360 pounds and is lined up on his nose the whole game. I mean, I think Kelsey uh, was probably dealing with the inexperienced guards as much as he was dealing with Dalvin Tomlinson on the other side of him. I agree and with I, you on that. You know, I just I couldn't believe
0: on the snaps, the snaps.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, his focus—I'm uh, sure—he was getting pulled in different directions with trying to be a, a teacher, a coach, a leader uh with the two guards i mean i i don't know why herbig didn't play i mean i know he had the finger injury and then doug said it was a hand thing after the game and i don't know why isaac siamalo wasn't ready he practiced all week i mean i just think that you know listen you, you're you need to win coming out of the bye and if those guys were anywhere close to being 100 percent, they should have been on the field
3: and this comes back down to another this comes down to howie roseman and I'm assuming we're gonna. Ha- the Eagles are gonna have a high draft pick. You gotta get some line, uh, offensive linemen in this next draft. You know, in the in the first and second rounds, you gotta get some. Uh, you put all this money into your quarterback. Protect protect your investment. You know, uh, if I go out and you know uh, buy this uh, buy a, 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 this spectacular car, I'm not gonna you know park on the streets of South Philly. I'm gonna go you know. Invest in a in a parking space where nobody else can touch it. So yeah, you, know, you got to make sure you, your your quarterback is focused on throwing the passes and not running for his life. And you know the same, you know, like with you said with Kelsey. Kelsey was not only did he have this big fella in front of him, he, he's worried about what the with. You know, it's that song. Clowns to the left of me, clowns to the right to me. Here I am mm-hmm. stuck in the middle with you. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, Steel's wheel. still, I know that song, Steelers wheel, I think. Yes, sir. <laughs> but
3: so, that's
0: Kelsey's situation. Yep. Did you guys see that report that came out today about Carson once having sloppy practice tendencies? No. Yeah. I saw did. my K re- Yeah. I saw my K reporter. Hey, what'd you think? Uh, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I think Mike Silver had that report. Uh, well, and Doug was asked about it and he said, listen, you guys aren't even a practice that often or that, you know, for that long amount of time doesn't know where the report's coming from. I don't know if he's practicing sloppily. I mean, like you said, I said, I'm at practice for, you know, 10 minutes every couple days. I mean, it's you don't really see what he does after we leave. So I don't know. I mean, it could be true. I mean, I just think, again, it comes down to, you know, what's wrong with Carson? We've been asking this, you know, since September. Um, and the answer could just be Carson. You know, Carson needs to be better. And I know he hasn't had the protection you know, Meany talked about it there. I, I mean, you know, they, they are injured. Brandon Brooks, gosh, you know, that was a huge loss losing him. Yeah. Um, you know, they did draft Dillard in the first round. mulata looks like. You know, he could be a tackle of the future. Jack Driscoll has been kind of pegged as a tackle, but I think when they drafted him, they wanted to play guard. him to play guard, but he had to play tackle uh, because of Lane Johnson's situation with his ankle. And, um, I mean, that, that offensive line, I think, is a big reason, too, for Carson. He's just, you know, I think he could be seeing ghosts coming at him. He could be trying to rush things a little bit more not feeling comfortable enough to stay in the pocket and and wait for a receiver to come open. But he's tough, man. I'll give it to Carson. He is tough. He'll take a hit if he has to. Um, But, you know, I I think that that report, I can't really speak to it. I'm not sure if he practices sloppily or not. Uh, And again, we don't get players in the locker room where we can kind of grab them one-on-one and say, Hey, you know, what do you think? Um, Just between us, that kind of thing. Everything is kind of on zoom. So everybody knows what's, you know what's being asked um so I don't know I don't know how true that is um let's go with this let's go with this when
0: you cover for covering the team for uh, since Carson Wentz has been the team's quarterback have you ever in your mind ever thought Carson Wentz is practicing sloppily today
1: (laughs) um no I mean I think you know he's had problems with his accuracy in all the years that we've covered him even in practice I don't think he's always oh, an accurate thrower of the football. He throws some bad passes. He throws interceptions in practice. But I, I don't ever question his uh, his work habit. I mean, the best quarterback I can remember watch practice was Tom Brady when the New England Patriots came to Philadelphia for a joint practice when Chip Kelly was the coach. I mean, watching Brady practice, uh, to me, was a treat. I mean, just his focus and his, his, his calmness and his presence, to me, was amazing. And, you know... Carson, nobody practices like that, uh, you know. I, I so I, I, but not once in my head did I ever think Carson's having a sloppy practice today, or he's not, you know, he's not uh, doing what the coach wants him to do. No, I, I never thought that.
0: That's good. I mean, that, that's a good perspective. Still, I mean, for someone that's always there and watching him, I just think when it rains, it pours. Uh, And that's when these stories start to
1: leak out. Exactly. Exactly right. I mean, it's just, you know, everything's piling on like, okay, we're, you know, almost overanalyzing it. You know, it it could just be as simple as Carson just needs to execute the plays that are called better. Uh, Run what Doug wants. Don't change the, you know, don't change out of it. You know, let let Doug's play breathe instead of trying to check out of it unless you absolutely see that that play is going to fail.
0: Right. At the end of the day, uh, an MVP in the running MVP caliber quarterback and a Super Bowl winning head coach has to be better than what they're doing right now. It's that simple. It's not just Carson Wentz is the issue, or it's not just Doug Peterson is the issue. It's it's a collective effort, and the guys who have accomplished great things in this league, uh, Carson Wentz being the Eagles' all-time leader in single season passing touchdowns in a season when he didn't even finish the season. He's about to be an MVP if he would have, and then Doug Peterson obviously Super Bowl winning head coach with his backup quarterback against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They need to be better. We expect better this is the reason why we're so harsh on this team, even though they're three, five and one uh, and they've made the playoffs last couple of seasons. We, we deserve to be hard on this team because uh, they've shown to us, this is what they can be. And anything shorter than that right now, complete disappointment.
1: Yeah. And you could go on with Carson's accomplishments. I mean, he, he was the first, Eagle quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards. What he did last year without having a receiver uh, go over 500 yards receiving. I know he had the tight ends, but you know to do that without a receiver that you can depend on, you know, that's of. a big feather in his cap, too. I mean, he's done a lot of good. I mean, to me, his resume speaks for itself, and he deserves to play his way through this uh, over these final seven games. Right,
0: and that's what I hate when people say, like, we haven't really seen Carson once be that good since 2017, where I thought last year he played extremely well. It's I think this year is – more of an anomaly than what the National Football League narrative is on Carson Wentz. I I, I am a, from guys watched up since North Dakota State. I can't believe he's playing like this. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it, it, but it's it's a plethora of issues. It's not just nailing it on one thing. But uh, I know Giovanni's over there surprised. That's his man, this guy. What do you, Giovanni? Let's just hold on the show real quick with let's say you're sitting in a room with Doug Pierce and Carson Wentz. And you give them one of your Giovanni hype speeches that you do on your make your videos on. What would you do? What would you say to them in that instance?
2: Um, I would tell them probably that they need to um, communicate better, and they need to um, start maybe watching film together and just get the communication right.
0: I agree with that I think that's I, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think Ed, and it always stays in the back of my mind because I think it was such a key point of, some, of information you dropped on our one of our previous episodes is that Doug doesn't have his Frank Reich. He doesn't have the guy that he would game plan with every night before the game. He doesn't have the guy that he could lean on.
1: That He's got four. He's got four guys. Four he's guys. That guys. That he
0: can't even trust. Minor. He, 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 he can't even he,
1: trust. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But he doesn't have that confidant, that 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 uh, that one person he can lean on the night before a game to kind of fine tooth comb, you know, the, the first fifteen or twenty plays that they have scripted, tweak it, do whatever they want. Um, they had a they had a, just a great relationship together, and um, you know, I'll never forget talking to Frank after the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and he, you know, he, he said Doug's a rock star. You know, he's he's a great. Play caller. He's a great designer of plays. He's going to be a rock star, and um, you know we've seen what happened. I mean, Frank is doing pretty well in Indianapolis. I mean, I've see I watched that game against the Colts played Thursday night, and there were there were some questionable plays. It's not like Frank Reich is infallible. He was the head coach of the Chargers, but you know he was for Doug Peterson. He was you know, he was that security blanket for Doug. Great.
3: Yeah. Oh, I go right, back Minnie. to uh, <clears throat> talking about Doug. Uh, there's there's a memorable quote. And, uh, I talked about this on the last episode, but, uh, it was, uh, on the Eagles, 2017, uh, Super Bowl DVD, uh, Blu-ray. And, uh, he said, uh, he's talking, it was right before the San Francisco game. He's talking to the the coach of the San Francisco 49ers. He goes, yeah, this kid, kid, Carson Wentz, he's in, he's in there before anybody else works hard, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, he's a, he'll be a great quarterback until we ruin him. <laughs> those were doug's words and uh hopefully they're not you know prophetic coming to uh to tr- you know become
0: the truth so yeah i hope that yeah. this is a good question to end the show real quick and i'll get everybody's thoughts on it in the in the chat uh the giants loss feels a lot like the dolphins lost last year should huh. should have been one turning point question mark good question i don't know though because i don't think this team looked as awful or as disconformed and as they did last year, and Carson once wasn't playing as bad as he was this year, as he was last year. So I, the Dolphins, I don't know if this is the turning point.
3: The Dolphins game a little bit last year, like they started out hot and had a had a lead, and eventually,
0: oh, they had that game in the bag, man. I was there, I was right there. I had to watch that live. They yeah. blow that game. They had that in the bag, and that's why they. That's the thing that I've always seen this, and I think it's a coaching issue. They play down to their competition or they get yeah. too comfortable and it always bites them in the. Boop.
3: Yeah. A little bit complacent, you know, very. I already so,
1: said, guys- my turning point. I already, I, my turning point was those two long passes. They completed after Boston Scott and yeah. Miles Sanders make it 14, 11 with 12 minutes to go in the third quarter, they get momentum and then the defense just gives it right back. I mean, boom, 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 their first and goal at the 10 and, Um, you know, I know that the Eagles scored again and then the Giants scored again, but you know, to me, that was really where you had to take control of that game. Your defense had to come up with a three and out, get the ball back to the offense and boom, go take the lead. But they didn't do it.
3: What what was the, what was the final score again? Uh, How many, how many points did the Eagles score?
1: 17.
3: 17. That's a, that's a respectable score in in most games. You should, you should be able to pull off a win if your defense, you know, holds off and, and stops you know going oh that's a pretty pass oh the other guy on the other team's catching it not me you know yeah. so I mean if you know if Schwartz turns on the pressure and and, and I mean, if you put enough pressure on uh, you know Donnie on uh, Dimes over there he he see, he, t- he tends to fall apart so there he had all that time back there to throw the ball and his his receivers had no problem contesting the catches there was there were uncontested catches you know Eagles starts you know if you score 17 points sometimes you most times you you're able to win the game so to me it's 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 just been a recipe for disaster from all ingredients of this you know the game
0: plan yeah i mean i i just don't know what happened this defensive line this 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 you know that's supposed to really be the heart and soul of that defense. Yeah, Malik
3: Jackson's great. back; everybody's there, and you know, yeah,
0: it's it's really just Brandon Graham and a bunch of guys. I, Fletcher Cox is still a great player, and he's still getting the attention of every offensive line like he should be. But Javon Hargrave's been disappointing. Malik Jackson has a dumb penalty per game still. Yeah, the, yeah. I, it's just it's not pretty. I. I Expect more from this defensive line, and that's really the heart and soul of this defense. If they're not living up to what we expect them to be, this defense doesn't seem to be as well. So I, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I'm curious to see what Giovanni thinks. Giovanni, you think that game could be the turning point potentially? That loss was the turning point where these guys wake up and build some momentum.
2: Hopefully, I mean <laughs> we haven't seen very much as uh, a defense when the offense starts getting in rhythm. We saw it uh, yesterday that. The offense started getting in rhythm, and then the defense just couldn't keep it. And then we were back right at the start, and I uh oh, that game it was just so atrocious.
0: Yep, I'm with you, bud. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to Meanie's Birds Recap. We'll be back next week. Again, powered by Eagles Brawl, which is now sponsored by DraftKings and Manscaped. Thank you guys for all tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.